Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. In 1919, he hit 29 home runs and was sold to the New York Yankees. A three-run home run for Buckington. The Yankees now lead it by a score of 3-2. Bill Lee is now going over to a couple of the Yankees, and there they go again. Hits it to deep left. That might send the Yankees to the World Series. Baratek and A-Rod going at it. Roberts is going. Posada's throw. Roberts, safe. What can I say? Just dip my heart and... and Call the Yankees my daddy. Welcome to Fanbase, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry in sports, episode 66. I think I'm going to call it Sterling's Gold. Huh? How about that? Nice. Nice. You like that? Uh, listen, it's a real pleasure to welcome in John Sterling, the voice of the New York Yankees here. And uh, we got two giddy schoolboys here, and John Senecal and <laughs> Matt Saroyce. Uh John, how you doing? <laughs> well, I'm fine. I'm, I'm glad that you're all happy and getting ready for the season. I am too. Well, you know, I, I just want before I hand it off to to John and to Matt, since they have so many questions. I'm just curious how you feel about baseball right now. I mean, to me, the lockout was for the average fan a lot of nonsense, and they didn't even necessarily improve the game. And it looked like pennies on the dollar for the money they make. So, I just, how do you feel about the game after being on the brink of losing part of a season? Mm. Well, I'm not really. Um... I'm terribly moved by what goes on in the in the off season. You know, I know it makes me happy, <laughs> and, and that will be broadcasting games and watching games. And um, the the lockout was unnecessary, and it was all about on both sides now greed and ego. And if they settled on the date that they did, they could have settled three weeks earlier, four mm-hmm. weeks earlier. And there wouldn't be the problems of trying to compress everything. But anyway, that's done, and it's done for five years. I I wish they signed for ten years. Uh, The owners make a lot of money. The players are doing great. And now uh, baseball has to do things. I think they're going to do them next year. But they got to get rid of the the shift. And and I think – look at hitting a different way back to the old days forget about launch angle and exit velo anyway i'm very excited about the year it i'm a child it's so easy for me to get excited about something i like and it is something i like and you know i'm going to chase the yankees around uh, all year Hey, John, it's John Senecal here, another lifelong Yankee fan. He's kidding. <laughs> I'm interested as far as what you think the fans will feel after all this lockout 
nonsense. You know, you sit up in the booth and you look out, and I mean, I watch on TV and I see a lot of empty seats in those box seats at Yankee games, and I say those, uh-huh. are, those are corporate people. But what about, you know, the normal fans that want to come out there every day with the family? Brian has talked about not wanting to go to Red Sox games yeah, this year. True. Yeah. Well, I've been through this before. I mean, it has to do with age, and I got a lot of age. <laughs> so um, I've been through this 94, that ridiculous strike or lockout, and, and they had to uh, cancel the World Series. Disgraceful. And then um, a great Supreme Court justice, Sonia Santamayor, um, uh, made sure that baseball would begin in 95. It began late, I, as I recall. That's a long time ago. <laughs> and you know what? The fans, I'll never go back. I'll never. Uh, then after that, the Yankees got good, and they drew $4 million more uh, every year for four years. So I, you're saying they'll come back. Year, you, you, year, you think they'll come back. Right. You think they're going to come back. Yeah, well, why, why? It's fun. And and baseball gives you a great bang for your buck. You can follow your team uh, for six months. They play almost every day. So, you know, people, some people will say, oh, I'm not going to another game. But you know what? There are a lot of people out there. <laughs> and and uh, the big teams are, you know, the, uh, the Blue Jays just got Matt Chapman to play third. And they have a terrific hitter at every spot in their lineup. So, um, you know, we're in a very competitive division with Toronto and Tampa and Boston and the Yankees. So, um, I think if you love baseball, you're going to love it. That's all. It's interesting you say that, John, because, you know, a lot of people are saying the Yankees and the Red Sox might be a third or fourth place team in the AL East this year with the way things are going, you know, Tampa Could and, very well be. and Could Toronto. Could very well be. Um, I want to ask you, what do you feel about as far as the Yankee situation now? We got, you know, you miss out on Freeman. We re-sign uh, Rizzo, but we have this hanging over our head with Aaron Judge coming up um, next year as a free agent. Now, I'm, you know, what is your take on Aaron Judge? He's going to be 31 years old, you know. Is he the future for the Yankees? Should he be the next Yankee captain? Well, I don't know about his future and and if he should be the captain of the team, but you can't lose a guy like Judge unless you replace him. I don't know how you replace him. So, you know, the Yankees, they're going to do it. They're going to sign him and sign him for pretty good money. And um, I think it's very important. I mean, he's first of all, you know the power the judge has. Well, he's a terrific outfielder and has a great arm. He is the prototypical right fielder. So yeah, I what think, do I think? I think they have to sign him. Yeah, I think it's lost with Aaron Judge's size how great of an athlete he really is and great defending mm-hmm. player. I'm glad you brought that up. But you do think that Aaron Judge is, you know, he is the future for the Yankees, and, and you're not too sold on the, the captain thing? I mean, it's been almost, what, eight years since we've had a captain after Jer- uh, Jeter well, left. Well, let me tell you why I say that, because I don't think it's important. <laughs> I mean, who's the captain? Um, it depends how you play. And if if they want to make Judge the captain, I'll be all for it. He's a good guy. Yeah, that's a good, interesting point. You know, why why do you need a captain? You know, do the work on the field. Right. All right. Listen, I uh, I want to go back. You know, I don't I don't know. You know, I just in re- in reading about your history, John. You know, I I, I think back. For, forget about temporary times. You sort of came of age 
I mean, I guess your teenage years were mantle was sort of took over. I, did you grow? I know you grew up in Manhattan. Like, were you even a Yankee fan? Were you a Brooklyn? Oh my god! Okay, were you? No, a- I was a tremendous Yankee fan. So it was my dad. So it was my so my best buddies. Um, Doug McCartney, Dave Mills, Al Parr, uh, people like that. So, uh, yeah, there was no question that I was a Yankee fan. Also, I might add this. When I was coming of age, like seven or eight years old, um, the Yankees about won every year. Right. <laughs> so it was very easy to, <laughs> it was very easy to root for them. And, uh, but anyway, I've, I've loved it since I was a little boy. I've loved basketball, hockey, football. I love music. And, um, I've had those companions with me all my life. I'm very fortunate. You know, it's true. I mean, if you look at his past, you didn't start off doing a lot of baseball. You did a lot of basketball and other and hockey as well. Did you, I mean, any stories as a kid, like skipping school to go to Yankee Stadium or like your first memory of going to the park? I mean, I just, I'm sort of, you're sort of my dad's age. And he, he used to tell me stories of when it'd be ladies day at Fenway, you know, his mom <laughs> would pull him out of school right. and, and do all that kind of stuff. It was just a different era. And obviously the Fedora era is something we're all kind of romantic about. Yes, I, I I agree. Um, I lived relatively near the Lexington Avenue subway. Uh, the it was then in letters I R T, and it went from eighty six to one twenty fifth to one thirty eighth to one forty ninth, and then to the stadium. So I went there. I went to the polo grounds a lot too. I used to take a Fifth Avenue bus. It would let me off right in front of the entrance that I would go in. <laughs> I mean, there were three baseball teams, three broadcasts, seven newspapers. You know, I had a great a great growing up. When you were growing up as a Yankee fan, did you have a favorite player? Now, I came up in the in the rough era when they were struggling in the late 80s, right. early 90s, and Don Mattingly was my guy and still is to this day. Did you have a favorite player? Well, you certainly picked a good one. I love Mattingly, too. I'll just sneak this in before I go back to to favorite players. Uh, When I joined the Yanks in 89, game would be over, we'd be in the clubhouse, and there'd be a line, including me, in front of Don Mattingly's locker for him to sign stuff for the players. So uh, I knew he'd be a really good manager. He's a heck of a guy, a great player. Too bad that his back flared up. It cost him the Hall of Fame and probably five, six, seven years of, of great play. Hey, he's had a great life, and he's been managing now well over 10 years. You know, I, I never had a favorite player. I love the name, so I rooted in his last days for Charlie Keller, Charlie King Kong Keller. But um, the Yankees that I really rooted for, you know, I'm left-handed, and I'm a left-handed hitter and yada, yada. And co- totally left-handed. So I always used to root for the left-hand hitters. Didn't matter if it was Yogi or Gene Woodling, obviously Mickey when he batted left-handed and such. So Joe Collins. I loved all the lefty hitters. And um, also, I love players from other teams. And this is true in all sports. You know, I wanted to go and see Gordy Howe and Boom Boom Joffreon and Bill Russell, and anyway, you get the idea. I I wanted to, uh, I love seeing the great players come in. So I've always loved the sport as much as rooting for, you know, then the Yanks, Knicks. So you're, you're, you're Giants. A... Obviously, there were no Jets. <laughs> there were no Nets. So, so anyway, I, I grew up in a great um, era 
when New York was ablaze with sports. So you're a fanboy yourself, too. So when, like, Shohei Otani oh, comes to New York, oh, you're going to go down and absolutely. see him? Absolutely. So you can't. I feel like there's a little political side of this, John. This, uh, you know, Brian Shackman, John Senecal, Matt Sorois here with John Sterling on episode 66 of Fanbase, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry in sports. When I tick down, I mean, if you if you look online, you you were there to MC the retirement, the Jersey retirement. You know, Posada, Pettit, Bernie, the whole crew from those great years: Tino, Torrey, Jeter, Mariano. You can't tell me. Pretty- you can't tell me there isn't a a favorite guy you like to at least interview. You don't have to say it's your favorite guy. But maybe you could say the guy you like to talk to the most. Well, I've been a whole bunch. You want, you want me to go all the way back? Steve Farr became a friend of mine. I went to his wedding. Dion James became a, a friend of mine. Uh, David Cohn became a friend of mine. And all the others that you name, uh, well, Paul O'Neill, because I see him in the booth all the time, or I will. <laughs> get, him out of the, get him out of the basement in Cincinnati. <laughs> and... Um, uh, and, and, you know, I, I generally like everyone, and uh, if someone isn't nice to me, I don't bother talking to him, so I'm cool. So, uh, so uh, anyway, if you want to talk about what I've done, just because isn't that I did it, it's because I was working and they did it. But I, I literally broadcast every game that Derek Jeter played, and I literally broadcast every game that Mariano pitched. Now, you'd have to say that's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, one guy, one guy was a one hundred percent ballot Hall of Famer, and the other guy missed by one vote because some bozo, bozo, yeah. uh, and he did it just to be different, just to show hey, I'm not voting for Jeter. Isn't that ridiculous? But Willie, and also but- ridiculous for Joe DiMaggio, Ted Williams, Stan Musial, Henry Aaron, Willie Mays, all of them. It's ludicrous, but. That's how it is in life. <laughs> John, People do things for their own reasons. John Senecal here again. You you mentioned you know Steve Farr and Dion James being very close to them. I mean, you obviously get relationships with these players over time. You know, flying with them, traveling with them. You know, they're human beings outside of this sport. How does it make you feel like you know when one of those players leaves, like you know a Jeter retires or someone gets traded? Well, they have an awfully good life. I don't feel sorry for someone when they get traded and they go to another team and, and make X number of million dollars. So man, that doesn't bother me at all. You know, I, I like the whole thing. I like the game. I like broadcasting. I've liked it. You know, people ask me, how could you have done all those games? I did 38 years without missing a game for the Hawks, Braves, Yanks, and then some Ivy League games on, on Yes and stuff like that. Anyway, why? It is nothing I intended to do. It isn't something that I, oh, yeah, here's another game. Let's put that on the list. I just got up, you know, shaved, showered, uh, brushed my teeth, and combed my hair and went to the ballpark. That's simple. And as long as I have health, I'll do it this year, too. John, Master Royce here. Um, I, I, you just mentioned you did the Hawks games and everything, too. What's the difference between calling a basketball game and calling – uh, baseball games at the pace, or, or how did you differentiate yeah, I, those? Um, in basketball, I used to sit next to the bench. I was in the game. I was part of the team. And basketball is a rhythm, smooth, easy rhythm. And um, I played it all my life, too. So I I think that's the easiest game to call. 
hockey, you know, there's a lot of broken plays. And the baseball, until they put in a pitch clock, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of empty time. So, anyway, they're all fun. I've loved doing all of them. I've now been able to do hockey, basketball, baseball, and football. I love them all. And, and, and there and, you are. And, John, did, you said you don't have access to the players like you used to anymore. Is that something like with COVID, or is that something that's been been like that? Well, I th- it, it was it was happening before. Uh, in basketball, they took the radio announcers and put them up in heaven. They can barely see the game. They don't care about it. You know, they're obviously doing very well and making money. And a, a buddy of mine who's uh, in the NBA said, they're starting to put TV upstairs, too. Well, you know, I want to I want to interject on that because, and, and John's going to jump in a second because I sense that you have separated the players and all the other garbage from the game, and I'm wondering yes. that if one of you have compartmentalized it because for me, like the money has sort of created that distance because they have to protect themselves and and the fans are a little nuttier and so they push back and now with the media they don't they're so much more protective of their brand and it's annoying. I've been in the media. I've been around the ballpark, you know, one fiftieth of you but i have been around the ballpark i've covered some world series and all-star games and opening days and i as a human with pride it's very frustrating that relationship mm. between player and media so i you do you compartmentalize because you love the game so you just block out the the people almost because of easily. the way it's easily i go and enjoy the game and broadcast the game to an enormous audience and i'm broadcasting with a a, a dear personal friend it was great on the air in Susan, Susan Waldman. And so I don't, I don't have any kick coming. It's easy. But anyway, they, what they've done is limit access. It's much worse for the media, for the written or print or I don't know what you call the digital online media. But anyway, they separate them. They cut their access. And um, it's just, quote, unquote. Of course, I also, I got lucky. They hired Buck Showalter as manager in 92. And from that point on, and Michael, Susan, and I became friends, off-the-field friends, real friends with Buck and um, and his wife. And um, then a, a true friend of mine became manager of the Yankees and Joe Torrey. Well, think of the access I had. We went out for dinner almost every night on the road. So anyway, that's all over. It's okay. You know, John, but I feel sorry. I feel sorry for. I don't feel sorry for broadcasters. I feel sorry for the quote unquote media, whose living depends on getting stories, and my living doesn't depend on that. John, you talked about you know calling games and everything, and you know we can't do this interview without talking about your home run calls. But me specifically, you know, I. I feel like your home run calls obviously are like a brand. You know, I have I remember my three year old running around the house yelling an A bomb from A Rod. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but That's I'm interested I'm interested to hear a little bit of the stories of how this whole thing started. And I know my favorite one is Burn Baby Burn. Um mm-hmm. but that was ha- the first. Yeah, it's the first. But you know, there's I, I, I imagine there's a lot of prep that goes into it. And have you thought about Isaiah Kiner Falefa yet? Because he hasn't hit a lot of home runs, but he's gonna hit one. Uh, which question should I answer first? I don't spend a lot of time on it. A lot of them have come up while I'm broadcasting, you know, running my big fat mouth. A-bomb from A-Rod came out that way. Robbie Cano, don't you know? 
uh, Austin Roman's Romy, my homie. <laughs> that came when he was between first and second after hitting a home run in Detroit. I, I tell that because, I don't know, it just came to me, thank goodness. And, you know, nowadays, because of technology, uh, Austin Roman, before he left the clubhouse, heard all about it. You know, maybe his friends or family called or whoever, or maybe he heard it replayed. I mean, it's amazing about uh, technology. So on the plane, Roman came by where I'm sitting and said, I love it. It's great. (laughs) So that gave me a kick. I have thought of something for Isaiah, and uh, I've thought of something for Ben Rortvet. And um, who else should we get? You got Donaldson. You got got Donaldson, yeah. Oh, oh, and and Donaldson, easy, terrific hitter. Um, You have a crash and and burn and just know it's not the right one and you got to come up with another? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Everything you can't do is great. You know, the only thing I can say for Michael, Susan, and myself, we are self-starters. And every single game, don't forget baseball, a lot of games and a lot of time. Every single game, the three of us try to do our absolute very best. Does it always work? Of course not. In no one in, in any field. Um, but I, I honestly believe we, we try as hard as we can. Anyway, about the names, it's just something I do. It's in my head. And I'll give you some examples. When I was doing the Nets, Bernard King was a rookie, and he was great. And he would, you know, draw that great Bernard King drive to the hole. And I would say, Bernard Sky, B.B. King. Teammates called him B.B. after the guitarist. (laughs) Well, Um, Dominique, too, right? Excuse me? Dominique, too, right? Oh, well, that was a big one. I began that immediately. Dominique is magnifique. And he loved it because don't forget they play the tape of the game in the in the next session with the players, and um, everyone told me that when I would do my Dominique, he'd be there waving his fist. <laughs> so it's very cute. So I did it with Dominique. I did it with Randy Whitman. I uh, that kind of thing. And with the Yankees, when I when I began in '89, they were terrible. And. 89, 90, 91, it was awful. And I thought, my God, am I ever going to be with a winning baseball team? <laughs> and then Buck and Stick Michael came in in 92. It turned around. And, you know, I, I, I mentioned this before. I'll, I'll mention it again so it sinks in. The worry that fans, there's always some person who's writing into a newspaper or on the air, I'll never go to another game. Nonsense. So after the the 94 World Series is blown off. Can you imagine blowing off the World Series? How stupid can they be? And because of um, Justice Santamayor's ruling, they began play again in 95. And in 96, Torrey came in. And the Yankees not only started winning, 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 but as I mentioned before, at one stretch, they drew more than 4 million people four years in a row, never been done in baseball. So. John, I want- oh, anyway, so I, I'm not I'm not worried about baseball, basketball, football, hockey succeeding. Not only are they succeeding, but the value goes up and up and up, and the value of the franchises goes up and up and up. Another reason why they shouldn't have been having this long protracted uh, uh, labor problem. I got one more question about um, calling games. Um, games all over the Yankees win for people that 
haven't been fortunate enough to see video of you saying the Yankees win, the Yankees win. Have you ever had a time where you almost felt you were going to pass out doing that? Because it looks like you lift yourself <laughs> no. right off the seat. No, but I'll tell you a cute story. <laughs> Susan Waldman um, took a day off to observe one of the Jewish holidays. And, and we were in Tampa. And Tino, who lives in Tampa, did the game with me. So the Yankees won a very close game, you know, the final out, and I really gave it all I had, which I do when it's a really close game. Maybe the tying and winning runs are on base, that kind of thing. And um, anyway, the, the Yankees got the third out, and I did my Yankees win. Ooh, Yankees win. And anyway, the next day, Tino went to Susan and said, I saw him do it. I actually saw him do it. <laughs> I got a big kick out of that. It's like seeing Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> right. John, I, I had one more question for you. Um, you know, we mentioned Josh Donaldson and Isaiah kinder Falefa coming in and, uh, you know, Anthony Rizzo coming back as well. What do the Yankees do with DJ LeMayhew now? Oh, that's not a – that's the typical – um, article in a newspaper oh, or talk show. I it. It, 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 let me ask you a question. Do you realize every day someone goes on the DL or I excuse me, especially with the every, Yankees. every blessed day, <laughs> the problem of having an extra player is not a problem at all. And, um, you have, uh, you know, Rizzo and Voight now at first and LeMahieu to back up. Donaldson, kind of Falefa, and Torres. Believe me, he'll play a lot. I'll tell you another thing. At the beginning of the year, DJ LeMahieu starts to hit like he did in his first two years with the Yanks. Mm. <laughs> he certainly will get playing time. That's not a problem. Right. That really. Thank you, you know, for putting and, my mind at ease. Excuse me. Thank you for putting my mind at ease. <laughs> oh my goodness! There's there's so many um, uh, injuries. I, I, you know, a guy had a line last year, which I'll share with you. I forget who it was, but he said, today's players are bigger, stronger, faster than ever before, but they're not as tough. And, um, you know, maybe it's the Asians who say to him, hey, if you're injured, go out. We don't want you to really get hurt. You're going to screw up a big payday. I don't know if that's it. People say that. You know, it's just one of those things you repeat. But anyway, the injuries are so unbelievable. You know, <laughs> people come up and down every single day in baseball. It's very different. I got another, one final question for you, John, before we let you go. Um, talk a lot about, you know, the Yankees are always in the mix for the big free agents. They're always being talked about, you know, picking up Freddie Freeman or whoever it is. You know, the last big splash they made right. was Garrett Cole, which seems so long ago, but it was only two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. You yourself, I imagine over the years, had grown to know the boss, George Steinbrenner. And I'm interested to ask you, do you feel that he would be happy the way the team is running now, even though his kids are running the team? Would he do it differently, you think? I think that is an outstanding question. I think uh, he would, well, you know this, he would run it very differently. And what I would say to you is, um, you know, it's like I have two boys. I have four kids, but two of them are boys. And uh, my wife says about Brad and Derek, they're like night and day. So everyone has their own personality. Here are two two boys, you know, born same egg, same sperm, same womb, same home, and and they're and they're very very different. So 
Um, certainly Hal's different than his dad. No, his dad would be out there um, um, trying to make an imprint on the market. He was a great marketer, George. And um, it was because of George Steinbrenner that a lot of other teams took a lesson from the Yankees how to build up um, other monies, other revenue streams. George was great at that. And he really started it. And remember, and you guys are old enough, I guess, that when free agency came in and the big money contracts, it, it's going to ruin baseball. It's going to. Well, not only it has not ruined it, it has built baseball up to where this year it's now an $11 billion business. Can you imagine? $11 billion. I just think, a year. <laughs> I think even so, in the eighties when they weren't that good, he just was he was fun for an out of towner. He was fun, and I you know I I just think there isn't enough. There's an extra element. He always added that extra yeah, element. There was something about his showmanship and his bravado and his attitude that just was different. And that and again, it's a different era, John. Right? I mean, we're right. we're never going back, right. and there you find joy in different ways, but. There was something unique, and I guess you know Jerry Jones has a tiny bit without the flair. Like there was something about Steinbrenner that just he had this edge to him that was just unique. Well, I'm very I'm very prejudiced because he really liked me. <laughs> he was super super nice to me, so there's no question I'm prejudiced because of that. All right, listen, just you know, one last word. We we'll say goodbye. Uh, you know, we're grateful for it. I mean, do you feel? I guess the the one thing I would take away: I got a 14 year old boy and a 12 year old boy. Are you? Do you feel like you resonate only to the thirty-five and upset? Are 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 younger listeners there? Do you get stuff from younger people every day? Okay, every day. My boys every, were so excited every, about this every day. I think that's a lot of bull. I would use stronger words, but you're on the air. I've heard this. Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell. Uh, he got angry at baseball for some reason. Said it's a dead sport. It's old, it's slow, it's slow. and this is like 50 years ago. So I am not worried at all about baseball. I see young people in the ballpark all the time. Young people come up to me as I go outside all the time. And not a worry. It's just people trying to knock. That's all. And they figure if they knock, people will recognize them. It'll be something strong, something definitive. It's all a lot of bull. Now, baseball is a great sport, so basketball, hockey, and football, and, and they'll be here. And I get some kick out of it. Tonight, I'm going to watch about 10 basketball games. <laughs> so That's right. Anyway, no problem. That's no problem. That's just people who are, for whatever reason, well, who knows what their reason is, want to be negative. That's all. Well, listen, uh, it's, a, it's a, th- a pleasure for me, and I know it's a thrill for my partners here. And uh, to give us this much time, John, we're grateful. Well, I, I enjoyed it very much. You asked good questions, and and I appreciate your time. And, you know, we'll do it again, okay? Yeah, we'll see you at the ballpark. Thank you, John. Let's go Yankees. <laughs> no, let's not go Yankees. Episode 66, uh, of course, fan base, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry.
Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.